From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back for another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. So coming up in just a minute, uh, the guest for today's episode is Sarah Lutz, uh, founder of Looters PR. And um, I have to say, back in my old life as editor of Canadian Musician Magazine, Sarah is someone who I dealt with a lot um, in that editor-publicist relationship. I know she's fantastic at what she does and uh, has been in the industry for quite a while now. And Looters has dealt with such artists as Sate, Danko Jones, Third Eye Blind, Palais Royale, and a number of others. In this conversation from an Indie Weekly uh, live online session last March, uh, Sarah and Indie Week founder Daryl Hers get into all manner of topics and advice for independent artists and small companies about marketing and public relations. It's a practical, useful, excellent conversation. I'm happy to share it here with you. But as always, before we get to this week's conversation, we must first acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Of course, we must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, Actor Racks, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SOCAN Foundation. We must also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work we do for the music community. So a big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, now to this week's conversation. I would like to bring our guest in, and that's Sarah Lutz from Looters. Uh, Sarah, I've known for a long time. We were teaching at Trevis uh, years ago. And uh, so with that, Sarah, if you can uh, unmute and uh, introduce yourself to everybody and give a bit of your background. Uh, Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, So, yeah, holy, Daryl, that seems like decades ago, which it kind of was decades ago. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I've um, actually always worked in the industry, in the music industry in one form or another um, since moving to Toronto. So I have a very wide, vast knowledge um, of kind of how things work. And, you know, obviously with COVID happening and then now it's still happening but people are pretending it's not happening um you know the the landscape for everything is in a constant change and that can be very hard to navigate through and stuff so um yeah today I'm hoping just to kind of be an open book for everyone and giving my advice which is specifically that my advice um, to any sort of like circumstances that I've kind of worked through with any projects or bands that we represent or that I've worked with in the past. Um, And just remember, just because it, you know, worked once doesn't mean it's going to work again. And just because it worked for me uh, doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. And not everything works as well. Don't think that I'm perfect and I know everything and I'm a magic genie because I'm definitely not and I've definitely made more mistakes than I can even count I don't like counting them (laughs) Uh, we've all made mistakes guaranteed and and and, you know I actually was talking to a staff member the other day about like you know you you make mistakes to learn what doesn't work so then you can move towards that what works Um, but you know Sarah uh drop some names who are some of the artists you've worked with like let's let's uh give a sense on you know some of the the clients that you've worked with uh, in the past like over my full career it's been a ray it's it's definitely honestly it's hilarious i i can say everything from slipknot to jan arden to bare naked ladies uh to guar um you know uh who else like tool to 
you know, like protest the hero when they were like 14 years old, I believe I started <laughs> working with them, which sounds creepy, but it's not, it's not. Um, and yeah, like just a, a full array of, of, you know, mostly of international bands um, through moving through some careers and stuff. Uh, there was a, a point in time for about six years or so I was I was mainly focused on the Canadian landscape and Canadian bands and that's kind of where those bigger Canadian names um, had come from but yeah full array it does not matter the genre I actually well country I have not worked that's that's one I, I have not worked so right and you, you had yeah. quite the background like probably more on the heavier side of music you know like you said Slipknot and Tool um, but it's it's great to see like a, a, just a wide range of, of genres because you know uh, it I, I really do believe that you know diversifying is sustainability in this landscape you know uh, can you talk a little bit about you know what was your first start like that you were like okay yeah I made it here like I've I've got something going on um, what was sort of like that that first spark. I have a very hard time recognizing um, the success of my career and my company. Um, so I definitely still strive to try to quote unquote make it. I think that's a very hard thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's a hard question to answer. Every decade or so, there's always like something really cool that happens where I'm like, whoa, like this is bigger than where I thought I would be, or this is bigger than I thought the idea would turn out to be. I love that yeah. because, you know, you're absolutely right. And, you know, people that are passionate in their careers is all about what's the next thing we can do. And, and you know, it was sort of funny. I was out last night at the showcase with uh, producer Chris Burkett and we ran into Noah Mintz. Some of you on the Canadian side will know Noah Mintz has like mastered pretty much all the big artists in Canada kind of thing. And everybody I find as well is their own worst publicist. You know, what introducing it's like, hi, do this. I'm like, Chris, you did Sinead O'Connor, Steve Earle, Def Leppard, Led Zeppelin, David Bowie. Noah, you've done Tragically Hip. Uh, bare naked ladies blue rodeo like blah 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 and and it's it's funny about publicizing ourselves like you know we were we all have services to sell and and when we do that networking it's funny talk about yourself and and i i think you know to kind of pull it back that's what a publicist is for that's what marketing is for is to talk about the artist and and get their message out so let's start talking about what's your process of taking on a client and how do you sort of assess their goals and needs? Well, that's the really important um, is assessing the goals and needs uh, because for, for us, for my company that I'm running now, um, it's so important to be able to kind of go through those goals and to also kind of like to, to manage their expectations. That's a huge thing because we don't want to ever, um, you know, to, to boast about our services and then have something not work out. The, the company that I'm running now, Looters, like this has definitely grown over word of mouth um, because I have steered away from those situations where, um, you know, like managers or artists uh, were just not on the same page as far as results. Um, and that's the other thing, like I, I'm very weary of people who say they can deliver and pain has even started because how do you, how do you know? Like there's no guarantee that said writer might be fired tomorrow. A publication might go under, which happens all the time. 
they may just be. Oh, we're losing losing you there, Sarah. All right, I'm just going to chat for a second here. Uh, hopefully, Sarah. You know, taking on. Oh, there we sorry. Go. Yeah, there we go. You're back. So, uh, if I could just okay. sort of comment yeah, real it's quick. It's just going to take a second. Sure. Yeah, I'll just comment real quick in the sense. Uh, and I've, I've dealt with this with a number of publicists and also trying to hire the right publicist is if they say, I can get you this, 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 huge red flag, right? And, and really what it is, is they're going to pitch, but they're only pitching as good as the material that you're giving them. You have to give them a story and something that's a hook and, and like what's press worthy. And, and I think a lot of uh, kind of like what Sarah was saying is managing expectations is sometimes there's managers that they go for press first and they haven't built the story and then they want the results. And, and how do you, how do you deliver results when, when the story isn't there? Um, outside factor, who knows, maybe Madonna is releasing an album the same week as yours. And it's like, well, now that's your competition. Uh, you, you know, timing is everything as well. So, that's another part. If somebody says, I can deliver you this, do they know what else you're up against that week? All right. So, so think of cycles and, and release dates and, you know, what are you up against? Is it Christmas? That's a whole other season. Uh, that's, that's a crazy time to try to release things. If you're doing Christmas, try to start in September, October and prepare for it properly. Uh, Sarah, let's test. Are you back? I'm back. Awesome. Cool. Uh, did I summarize good enough? Is there anything I missed? Uh, no, that was good. Cool. So uh, now client comes in, you, you've accepted them. What's your first steps? Like, you know, uh, part of it was assessing their needs, but what is, what's the first steps? And kind of like, you know, think about lead up time. What kind of lead up time uh, do you really sort of require? It honestly depends. So for um, Daryl brought up a good point, like you want to talk to different publicists, because what I'm finding now in looters, like we've always kind of done this is we offer many different services than just publicity. Publicity, what I try to look at it as is it's like one piece of the big puzzle picture that you're trying to achieve at the end of a campaign. So you also need marketing. You also need like streaming and advertising and promotion and publicity. Um, so there's many, many different things uh, than just publicity where some companies will offer more. Um, others will just offer publicity. So you really need to know kind of who is offering what. Um, sorry, Daryl, what was your question again? Uh, oh, the no, next steps, right. Yeah, but I love what you're saying though. I love what you're saying because the world has changed and uh, content creators is a thing. Yeah, uh, I was in Texas and they've got a full-time photographer, videographer, following them around everywhere they go. And the video is edited and professional and up within 24 hours, every single day, all the time. And that's creating publicity, right? Like the social media side of things. So, Correct. Yes, that is huge. definitely part of the story. Um, but yeah, so next steps would just be like kind of depending, it depends on the service and the lead time, but it's usually like, I'm finding more and more, which I really like is people are coming to us six months to a year in advance. Like they're like, uh, you know, if it's an artist that we already know or we've worked with in the past, then it's a no brainer. But if it's someone who's new, I'm always like, okay, send me your demos. Like I know demos are demos. Like I, you know, back in the nineties, listened to hardcore bands on, cassette tape like I I think I can kind of cipher from a good demo, and a bad demo. <laughs> most people will think all hardcore cassette tapes are bad but I think I'd like to know with a good from the bad um so yeah the the lead time it depends so sometimes it's six months to a year which is great because we can really get involved in um 
forming the picture that the artist or that the manager is looking for. Uh, sometimes we have labels though coming to us, you know, that are like, oh, this comes out next month. Um, and, you know, again, it's managing expectations. It's kind of like, whoa, like, I think, I think this is, is what we would be able to get. And if you're okay with that, like, we'll fight hard to try to get everything we can for you, but we're not going to know until we start having specific conversations. And if they're good with that, then we'll pick something up, you know, within a month or a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I, I'm the strong believer in lead up time. Like, um, yes. And, and being able to sort of capitalize more on the social channels with teasers. Um, an artist I know it will probably six months out just start with the in the studio. Exactly. Here, yeah. Here's we, a recording. There's you know social social media is one of our services that we offer. Um, and it is usually we're working with the artist as soon as the campaign is confirmed. Um, and, you know, like last year we worked with Sate and it was probably a good seven months before the album was released that we started working with her on her socials. We have a new campaign we're working on now, Osiren, uh, and we're working with them now on socials and their release isn't even scheduled yet. We're working on like when it's being released, when the first single uh, kind of drops like we're figuring all that out now but really that part of the campaign like more of the marketing and the publicity won't start until um, you know like maybe the first song like May or June so you know like end of spring beginning of summer but we started with them on their socials two months ago right yeah and and it's it's really uh, do you find let me ask you a social media type question then uh, let's say you're starting a campaign from scratch on socials, right? You got to also take into consideration that, you know, organic isn't really organic like it used to be. Uh, do you find that you need that lead up time to work the algorithms for them to really sort of kick in and maybe sort of distribute the posts to a wider reach? Yeah, definitely. And that's a conversation we always have with them because sometimes when you're leading up to a release, um, you know, they're kind of like, well, why do we have to do all this now? Well, you know, and I'm always like, well, you want as many people as you can when you start posting pre-orders and merch bundles and singles that are out and watch our video here. Why would you want to reach the same people that you have now? Like you want as many people as you can. So working with them on strategies um, that, you know, and, and every, every artist, every group definitely has, you know, some have a handle on TikTok and some don't. TikTok is not the end all and be all. It works for some, not for all. And if it's something that is not of interest, then I always say, don't do it. Because if you don't like it, you're just going to like feel anxiety about it. You're going to second guess yourself. And it's more feeling comfortable and going with a platform that you enjoy to be on than to be forced um, to do something. And then obviously that's another conversation. It's kind of like, okay, well, is that genre worth it? Maybe you hire an outside person to specifically just focus on TikTok. Um, or on whatever it may be, or like your Twitch channel or whatever it is, um, if it makes sense. But if it doesn't, I always start off with just like, let's do what you like for now. And then when we really start promoting new things, let's go back and see if this is worth it. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really good thing to say because time and energy um, it's, it's something where you got to really think about where you're going to allocate, allocate that. And sometimes it's, what's the easiest route to success that allows you to actually still have more time and energy to keep working on all the other things. And I just find, you know, when it's something that, yeah, I don't get this TikTok thing and you put so much time and effort into it, you actually start failing on the thing that you're good at, you know, and that's a different stress. 
Um, yeah. And, and it's a distraction. And then it's also this sort of sense of like, well, that didn't work for me. And, and one thing, I, I'm not sure if you've come across this, but I've, I've had artists that, you know, maybe too soon hired a publicist and said, well, I didn't get any results. I'm not going to do that again. You know, I spent money and I didn't get results. And then I'm like, where are, you, where are you gauging this success rate from? Because you got to give it that time and opportunity. So um, social media, huge factor, find your lane. Uh, but I like what you said, Sarah, get that going and then maybe look at the other ones, right? So how do you say then when you're on your socials and you see an audience growing, how do you convert that to an audience on, say, Spotify or uh, going to buy a ticket or purchase merch? How do you start working that conversion from sort of a passive, passive listener to engagement? And that is where we lead to money. So how do we, for, how do we make that? First and foremost, and I see this a lot, um, and sometimes it's a comfort thing. If if it's a solo act, you kind of have no choice. You just have to get out of your comfort zone. If it is a group, uh, then assign it to another member. But it's definitely it's definitely the engagement. Like, you know, Facebook is filled with like, take your favorite band that you saw in 2020. Take your favorite band that you can't wait to see, you know, before the end of the year, whatever it is, take your favorite band. And then it's usually like some sort of question. So many times bands are tagged and they don't even like it. They don't even comment. And it, it all starts with like, I, I hate to say this and I'm really not like, you know, back in the day I was very hardcore. <laughs> Now I'm, I'm very like, you know, I, I don't want to say hippity dippity, but like, it's about the human connection. People need to be able to connect with you. And if you don't connect with them, if you don't engage with them, they're going to go on to the, to the other thing that they've heard last week or an hour ago, or that they're listening to now. Um, people are very fickle. Um, we all just want to feel like we're being heard and who doesn't want, like, if you take your favorite band, like for them to like it, like, that's amazing. I would love it if that happened. It's never happened to me, but uh, yeah, I, I think that that would be great. And it just kind of like, it keeps your spirits up and it's kind of like, whoa, like, you know, I, there's times I'm like, I'm going to listen to this band all day. And I mean, without, that artist even knowing how they affected my mood that day, I am listening to their full catalog, not on Spotify, because I hate Spotify, but <laughs> on a different service. Uh, and I'm listening to their full catalog. So I mean, it, without them even knowing it. So I, I believe truly that things like that happen all the time. And it just takes one simple little click of that mouse to be like, like, or heart emoji, whatever it is. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so I'm going to bring up my Instagram because the point you said about tagging somebody, and I also look at this as a passive way to either make an introduction to somebody you want to be introduced to, or, hey, I want to do business with, right? So uh, some of you follow me on Instagram, so this may be not new news, but so Philip Sace is a guitarist that we've I've booked the last three Toronto shows with. He is freaking amazing. If you are into blues, rock, like, so, and I, I do not say this lightly, if you took Jimi Hendrix, Steve Ray Vaughan, and Lenny Kravitz and put it all together, this is Philip Sace. He's that good, right? Uh, first show, Rivoli sold out. Moved to Silver Dollar was one of the very last shows at the Silver Dollar we oversold. Uh, and that turned into a recording on Warner Records. And then the tour for that record we had at the Mod Club. So we had a really good trajectory, COVID uh, and all that. But he posted, oh, I might be getting ready to tour again. So instead of me commenting there, I actually like, so this is Philip Sace's wall. And there's a picture of the Mod Club show. So we're on his wall. So that's really cool. 
So on mine, I post a picture last concert, me and Philip. And as I said, hey, you know, if you don't know Philip, great guitarist, uh, check out his page, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, Phil commented on my wall about it. And I was like, oh, he's like, great to work with you, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, great shows. And then he commented, maybe in the summer, I'll reach out to you. So through all that, a new business opportunity potentially came about. So there's a passive way to it. And it's like, I, I sometimes watch their wall before I tag them. So it's kind of a timing thing. Does that make sense? You know, like I, I go, oh, are they active? Then it makes sense to tag them. If they're not even active, they might not even, you might not get the result you want. So um, yeah, sad, sad about Mod Club. No, Mod Club's good. They're, they're a new club. So it's going to be all good. Uh, sorry, I'm just commenting to Mackenzie there. So tag people and that's that community building. And uh, also I find follow up because often people tag somebody comments and you just crickets, you don't follow up. So that all makes sense, Sarah? Yep. Cool. Now, so we're on socials, we're way out converting over. Uh, like, like I said, it's like, how do we get it so that they pay, like buy a ticket, pay for merch? Uh, what are some strategies to kind of like, okay, now we need, you know, to close the deal. What are some of your strategies in the marketing or publicity side of things there? As far as what, like converting people or selling merch? Well, basically you could build them up on social, but you need to take them elsewhere to buy something. Like what's, what are some strategies to get them to like, say your website, your store, um, oh, a, a right. check out for, for tickets, you know? Because often I'll see, go to the, my link in my bio and a lot of people don't do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's many different ways. Like that's kind of where like the promotional kind of side comes into where, um, you know, like uh, obviously in, you know, 2020, 2021, a lot of artists were sitting on like merch that they had made for the tours that they were supposed to be going out on during COVID. Um, and you know, like a lot of them did flash sales. So like, you can kind of do that through your socials and get people clicking links to either your merch store or your site, or, you know, like where, wherever, however you're selling it, uh, through Bandcamp or whatever. Um, but yeah, like it's, you know, it's kind of like getting them more involved with, um, you know, with certain things. And, and that definitely becomes more on the promotional side. Like if you're a growing midsize act, you know, kind of like you have a bit of a following and, you know, you're kind of like, oh, like what's the next steps and stuff, um, you know, like start to really look locally. And then as well as if you are on tour or you do have tour dates, and I'm not talking like you know, a national tour across your country, but, you know, it could be like, look at how many places are in Ontario um, of organizing things, you know, if it's during the school year, like do stuff with your universities. And I know in the States, like, God, I'm so jealous of the States, like their university radio programs and paper, like newspaper programs are so far beyond what we have in Canada. Um, so kind of, you know, like going that road and, and doing like a cross promotion with them, if there's, you know, tour dates in those areas and offer them, you know, like free things for free service, um, you know, promotion doesn't necessarily have to cost, uh, you know, $10,000, um, originally working in, you know, the, the genre of music that I love um, you know, our budgets, like sometimes, you know, I have obviously connections and friends at major labels and, you know, they're like, oh, I'm working this release. And I always ask them, oh, what's your budget? And <laughs> they tell me, and I'm just like blown away with the amount of money that they're given. 
to do promotion and marketing because for me working in a very small um, genre of music, uh, we're, you know, we're really pinching pennies. And if there was coupons and metal, people would use them, uh, that, you know, I, I'm just like, you know, promotion, sometimes your budget's $50 and you make that work and you just have to kind of, you know, have negotiation and talking skills to, to try to see what you can get for the things that you can offer. Right. And touching on budget, that brings up uh, what about paid advertising? What are your thoughts on paying for ads on, you know, Facebook, Instagram and the like? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it, it comes and goes and, you know, it, it, much like Facebook, Instagram, everything else, it changes. The algorithms change, the, the way that they advertise changes, you know, like a couple of years ago, boosting posts weren't so popular anymore and now they are um so that's kind of gone up and down and up and down in in the past however long facebook's been around i don't know 15 16 years or something um so yeah it it's definitely worth it uh if you're gonna do it yourself just make sure you know what you're doing um for for that kind of advertising now sometimes artists um, and especially in Canada, we all know kind of the grants that we're able to get not only federally, but provincially as well. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're working on a campaign right now and the artist uh, group got a grant and I was like, they where they had to specifically spend X amount on socials and X amount on um, websites or print. And it was like, whoa, that's kind of archaic because I mean, obviously, you know, like banner ads, it's like they're, banner ads, I don't feel are worth it sometimes um, because I feel sites just kind of get too greedy with the amount of money that they want for a banner ad. Um, and the click-through rate is horrible. So you end up spending half the amount on socials and get more engagement than working with the site. But then on the other hand, um, you're creating a relationship with that site. And yes, it may be superficial because it's kind of like payola where you're giving them money to advertise, um, but at least they know your name where they might not have before. So. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I got to put my downtown music hat on and say, uh, check out Foundy. Uh, found f-o-u-n-d dot e-e zach might drop a link in there but uh it's it is ads that you get placed onto uh lifestyle sites or uh sites like billboard magazine uh pitchfork uh also even into newsletters like one thing that was really interesting is that you could be have a banner ad on a live nation newsletter even though you're not having a show with live nation which could be kind of cool but it's about getting out there and, and trying to hit the right markets and demographics. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of like what you're alluding to is like, you know, um, making sure that that money is well spent, figuring out what your audience is. Now, uh, I did want to sort of uh, categorize types of ads because there's two sort of kinds. Uh, and if I'm missing any, Sarah, correct me. Um, there's like Facebook ads which are building audience and data on Facebook. Uh, and then there's ads that get placed onto other websites. Like Facebook is within Facebook and such, but uh, there's ads that are like banner ads, exactly that, and get placed onto external websites. And it's kind of a balance I find of doing both. And what I'm hoping is people see us on Facebook, but then they start checking out other sites, like say a billboard magazine, and they see, oh, there's that artist there kind of helps build that kind of credibility, even just sort of like, or that impressions where they see it in many places. So uh, it's kind of like, it's definitely something where like, I always say to clients, I'm like, listen, like, you know, just because you do an ad, it's, it's the same thing for like the Spotify um, billboard at Young and Dundas. 
Right. Getting the billboard does not equate that you're going to get thousands and thousands of extra dollars and that people are going to go listen to you. What it equates to is that you have one more kind of bullet out there with your name on it because it's going to take new people multiple times seeing and hearing your name before it sticks into their mind. So seeing that billboard just might be that one last bullet that they see and they're like, oh yeah, I remember so-and-so was talking about this band at this party like three weeks ago or, oh yeah, I saw their like name come up, uh, whatever, like my friend tagged them on Facebook or, you know, like, oh yeah, like, um, you know, the Spill Magazine, like, oh, they covered like this artist. Like it may just be that one last time that they see that name that it, it finally clicks in their head. Absolutely. And, and like, I always am relating to like Marvel universe movies, you know, uh, they'll have like a, a bus shelter. They'll take over uh, billboards. They'll have posters up. They do a campaign at McDonald's. Like it's kind of like everywhere. You can't get away from it. They have such big budgets, but it's, it's that kind of presence where it's like, Oh, I saw it and I keep seeing it. And then sometimes you might hear music and go, oh, it's it's that artist. I better look into this. So um, I would say consistency is is very key during your campaign. Um, yeah. And that's that's the lead up time gives you time to do that. There is a question here and I just want to bring it up. Uh, this is from Adela uh, for a band or client looking for publicity versus marketing. How do you help them de de decipher which one they should focus on over the other or both. So publicity versus marketing, how do you, how do you help guide them through that? Or you have to do it both? It depends. No, it doesn't have to be both at all. It honestly depends. Like sometimes it depends on the budget that they're willing to spend. Like for us, for our marketing services, it includes, um, you know, kind of like the the CBCs, like all of the streaming and the radio and stuff. And the, it also includes um, like Stingray. It includes some web radio things. Uh, it also includes streaming, um, you know, some, some artists and sorry, as well as advertising and some other things. Um, some artists just aren't there yet where they're ready to kind of tackle on the timelines of, okay, I'm releasing this album and here are the three singles and two of these three singles are going to streaming and the other one's a fan favorite. And, you know, like I'm uh, going to spend X amount on advertising and, you know, this is definitely, this song is the, the single that I feel very strongly about. Um, that may that they may not be ready for that just yet and if they're not that's fine but definitely yes like if you're looking to kind of like build your story and um have that beginning relationship with press um it would be publicity but then as well as the same remark that you had said daryl um you just can't go to publicity and be like oh or sorry like media outlets and be like, oh, I have I have a new single or I have a new album coming out. Like there has to be so much more. And even when there is more, um, that's sometimes just not enough, which is sad. But I mean, it's the way life is. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And and you know, building the story could be collaborations, help, um, you know, with different markets and such. Uh, are you working with a charity or a cause? Like anything that can kind of add on, um, there, there's new angles and stuff. But I did want to sort of ask you this because we're in a singles market. Everybody's going song by song, not as so much EPs or albums. Um, if you have enough lead up time, so how do you decide what's like, define sort of like, like a priority? So um, an artist might have three songs that they want to release each year. Do they go full guns on every single one or do they build up to one big one and put all the push? So say like in a year, an artist is going to release three songs. How do they spread out their budget and, and timing? 
like from hiring someone like us or doing it on their own? From hiring, like I'm, I'm talking from a point of like, um, I've got three songs. Are they all amazing and hits? Do I put all my money into each and every single one? Or is it something that maybe the first song helps build some audience that'll listen a little bit more on the second release, like making the second release easier? Like, do you do you do the build to like the third one and put now I've got more data, now I've got bigger audience, which will probably produce better results if I push harder. Because uh, often I find artists start with one song and nobody knows who they are. So they're really up against the wall out of the gate. Right. Yeah. Uh, if So yeah, singles market is an interesting one. And I mean, I'm just saying this because I'm old, but I remember going to Sam the Record Man and like buying singles. <laughs> it's like so excited oh my god it's this new and they're song. usually from japan and 50 bucks and maybe you have to wait 12 weeks for it to get there exactly um so yeah it is it is a really interesting market now the the way that that works um so for for those who who don't know so looters has two sides. Um, we we have retainer clients that we work with, which are all labels. And it's from uh, like Century Media, Sony, um, uh, for, well, Sony for like hard rock and metal, like their hard rock and metal stuff uh, to like Artifact, to Spine Farm, to Fearless, to Hopeless. Um, so, and these labels, like some of them, you know, like Luder started because Metal Blade needed someone in Canada in like 2006. Like that was the formation of Luders. Um, and as we, the years went on, we grew and grew and we, we have more labels we work with. And, um, you know, that's kind of why it's easy to suss out our services for independent artists as well, because we also have kind of the clout and the heavy artillery of working with those labels, having these relationships with some of the um, DSPs and stuff like that. Um, so with singles, it's been a really interesting thing to see because it, it really, you know, some genres, it doesn't matter. Others, you know, like we, a lot of releases on Hopeless Records right now, we're releasing singles a year before the album even comes out. And then sometimes that album doesn't even come out. We're just like, nope, we're just gonna keep releasing singles. So the tricky thing with singles though, is definitely um, you want, if you have three, definitely space them out within a year. If you go out guns blazing with all three singles once a month, um, by four or five months, if you don't have anything to follow up with those singles being released, then you're dead in the water. And you're basically starting from scratch again once you do have either another song or a video or tour dates. Um, so even though you have those three singles throughout the year, it's still very highly recommended that there's other things happening, that there's tour dates, that there's videos um, that there's even like playthrough videos that you have like social content that you're doing for each of the singles, like wh whatever it kind of is, um, releasing a single, you, you have to market it in almost every kind of type of service, right? Like you have to market it, you have to promote it, you have to advertise it, um, and you definitely want to be ha like getting media attention around it. I love that. Those, those are all like amazing points. Uh, dead in the water if you're not having follow-up. That is huge. Um, and, and one thing that I've been talking to artists on my downtown CD Baby side of things is um, your, your single is what you're focusing on, but it doesn't mean that's the only version that you need to release you could have the acoustic version the instrumental version you could do a collaboration a remix yeah. so so there's all this other content you can space out between your focus points right your your priorities so uh i think i was up to seven type of releases uh i even said i've been ta talking artists where 
remember the old radio edit days, you know, uh, guitar solo, nah, take it out. Intro, cut that out. And it's all got to be, it was uh, radio edits. And then you buy the album and it's a totally different version that you heard on the radio because it's not the radio edit. Um, not sure if you remember those days. I'm old, so I do. But well, uh, thankfully, the the music I listened to a wasn't really played on the radio, <laughs> and b they would tell them to go fuck themselves. They're not changing anything. <laughs> That's true, right? But I've been telling some artists, why not do a Spotify edit for the audience on Spotify? And then you can release long form version later for those that really want to dig into it. You know, like think about the platform. If people aren't really sitting on a song for like seconds, it might be point seconds, maybe do an edit. That's like today's radio edit, but for Spotify. So just to add another version and it might connect with a certain audience. And then you have the long version and that connects with a different audience and, and it starts building. Um, I've seen success in that kind of categories as well. So content, right? That's what you're. That's what you have your audience engaged in in between the actual single releases. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 So now we've talked about you know Spotify and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we've th these hours go by super fast. It's all already four fifty-five. Uh, if anybody has any questions, please put it in the chat. Uh, Sarah, have we missed anything? Is there something that you're like, we, we need to make sure that we cover? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if there's any specific questions, like anyone can definitely reach out to us. Uh, our site's like looters.cc. And um, you can get my email from Daryl and reach out at any time for any specific questions. The, the, I mean, if I can, the one thing I would love to tell everyone is that, you know, try to stick to truly who you are and what you're creating. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. And when you work on that kind of notion, your, your artistry will really shine and will hit the right people at the right moment. So true. And I see so many people see something take off on Instagram or Twitter and they go, that's my plan now. And, and they're hoping to get the same success when that's not who they are. And it comes across as that and it fails. And yeah, you're dealing with mental health issues about it and this and that. So trace, stay true to yourself, but really build on it, own it. Um, it's an amazing thing uh, when you look at why do we like some of the oddball kind of stuff that's out there? You know, I remember yeah. darkness came out and it's like, who has got this crazy weird voice? Right. You know? <laughs> right. But no one else has that voice. That's the point. No one. Exactly. It's well, the darkness. I have to tell you that like, it's when, you know, like I, I remember when I first started in this industry and everyone from like teachers to, you know, my parents to everyone, they were like, you cannot make a living on metal. And I'm like, F you. Yes, I can. Like, don't tell me that I can't. And you will surround yourself with the right people who you will like play off of each other and like help grow each other. Um, you know, so it just really, sometimes it just really frustrates me. Like, you know, I've, uh, we're working with one client now and they're like, oh my God, like this, this person who they absolutely loved and adored, like it was a female singer to another female singer. And she told me that when she met her, she looked at their band's photo and was like, you'll never make it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did she even hear the music? And she's like, no. And I'm like, fuck that bitch like don't do that don't just say someone's not going to make it when you look at their photo you have no idea of their story or anything and you've especially if you've never listened to the music so even though you know you look up to some people it doesn't mean they're god so do your thing and stick with it love don't it. compromise love <laughs> it you know like 
who would have known weird weird al yankovic would have made it you know look at how weird al looks you know weird al exactly (laughs) and he plays an accordion uh, and polka music stuff and covers it's crazy and he's awesome so um and it's because it is who he is and that's what's beautiful about it so uh this has been great sarah uh and i love the little hardcore sarah kind of came out at the end that's uh (laughs) reminded me of the old days which was good uh so thank you for uh spending your time with us today sarah i I really appreciate that uh all right everybody we'll see you again thank you so much have a great day thanks everyone all right so that does it for this week's episode of the indie weekly podcast a reminder that our next conference is the indie 101 music conference of course it's online it's happening may 1st to 3rd if you're listening to this episode the morning it comes out on thursday march 23rd um, you have just a few more hours really to pick up super early bird tickets and save 40 dollars. however after that deal expires, there will still be an early bird deal for the next couple of weeks where you can save $20 on Indie 101 tickets. Indie 101 is really the conference for independent musicians and those looking to build their career in the music industry. It's all the basic foundational knowledge you need to build a career as an artist or a professional, whether that's sync licensing, publishing, management, and on and on and on. So for more information about that and to pick up tickets before they're at full price, go to Indie101.com. All right, before we go, just one last shout out and big thank you to our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, SEMA, City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, and the SOCAN Foundation. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Big thanks to all of them for the support. We couldn't do the work we do for the music community without them. All right. So that does it for this week. We'll see you back here again next Thursday for the Indie Weekly Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.